presented by Andy's Frozen Custard. Kelsey at the 20, 15 to the 10, and into the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City! On your weekday home for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Mitch Holtis. The ball is out and picked up by the Chiefs. It's on Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton at the 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City! Your official broadcast partner at the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. What's the run of boot being chased by Chris Jones? He is wrapped up and eaten by Chris Jones. Here's Jay Binkley. Ah, good evening slash good morning in five minutes. The Kansas City Chiefs 30, the Las Vegas Raiders 29. As the Chiefs are steamrolling towards their seventh straight division title. Football is often not pretty. The scheme was not pretty most of the time. But, as Dick Vermeule once said, football comes down to a few plays. It literally did tonight. I'll be honest with you. This is one of my favorite games of the year to watch. And you may say, well, this, this game was sloppy. It was ugly. It's Yes, it was all those things. Sloppy, ugly. But it gives us stuff to talk about. There's not been a game this year that you can go to the water cooler tomorrow or break room, whatever, and you're texting your friends saying, did you watch that game? I mean, heck, I've gotten a text from friends. The Chris Jones play? Has everybody talking? What's roughing the passer? We also Grady Jackson yesterday with Tom Brady. And then you see Chris Jones, and we'll get into it. Chris Jones take the fumble and essentially became the ball carrier. And Derek Carr became, quote, the tackler. But yet he's the quarterback, and you can't land on him. The NFL tried to explain it. I'll try to explain it to you later. I, I don't like the rule. The rest of the NFL doesn't like it. Mike Pereira tweeted out he was uh, – if you heard here on Fox Sports Radio a little bit uh, before we got into the Chiefs postgame, he was on with them. He was out drinking some Tito's vodka, and he was sitting there, and the Chiefs fans were, were yelling at him out in California. They were yelling at him at the bar saying, you guys got it wrong. And Pereira agreed. It was a terrible call. Everybody agreed that it was a terrible call. Even Troy Aikman that had to sit in that booth and call the game and watch Mahomes beat his touchdowns in the NFL in just his fifth year starting. Yeah, Troy, he just got passed by Mahomes tonight. How funny is that? But the Chiefs get the win 30-29. You had the Chris Jones play. You had the Raiders going for two instead of kicking the the extra point. But the Chiefs still had, you know, four minutes left on the clock. We've seen so many of these people celebrating him. Devontae Adams with the nice little push, shove, whatever you want to call it, of the reporter. Devontae says he bumped into him. Wait till the NFL finds him for that little bump uh, that he had, but he tries to explain that. But I had a lot of fun watching this game. Uh, we saw a manhandled offensive line. Offensive line, defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not up to standard what you want. That's why the Raiders got out that 17-point lead. They got out to that lead because of the uh, domination of the offensive-defensive line. Orlando Brown, rough game there at the beginning. Max Crosby. You know, got in for a couple of sacks. That's their main weapon. Chris, or, uh, Chandler Jones didn't have any sacks, but he did affect the pass rusher. The Raiders um, are the fifth team in NFL history to lose twice after holding at least a 17-point lead within the first five minutes of the – or first five games of the season. Uh, the Ravens did it this year as well. The Chargers, the Vikings, and the Jets, the other teams that have, that have done what the Raiders did. But if you watch this game – You've seen the Chiefs games before. Did you panic? I didn't. I've seen this before. I told our producer at the time, I was like, you know what? I've seen this movie. I've read this book. The Chiefs find a way to come back and get it. And then the Chris Jones play, like, oh, maybe they needed that play 
uh, to get that fumble, get in the end zone. Maybe that's the difference in this game. We saw a missed field goal. Plus, we saw Matthew Wright kick the the longest field goal in Chiefs history. The longest field goal at Arrowhead. The longest field goal in, in Chiefs history. Besting Harrison Butker by one yard. And then we see him missing a chip shot field goal. I mean, this game had every single thing about it. I want to hear it from you, what you're thinking about this game. Is it just the Chiefs and the Bills? I mean, let's face it. I thought this was a bad weekend for contenders in the NFL. The Dolphins, they don't have a quarterback because they're down the well, local product, Skylar Thompson from Fort Osage, right here in Kansas City is their, their quarterback now because Bridgewater and Tua in concussion protocol. They didn't live up to standards. I thought the Chargers looked like garbage against the Browns. They're not living up to standards. The rest of this who's who in the NFL doesn't look like the who's who. Bengals found a way to lose yet another game. But the Bills and the Chiefs on a collision course, that's the next game for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk plenty about that as well. But I, it's Chiefs and Bills right now in the AFC. Bottom line, that's who it is. The Chiefs, just complete domination over the Raiders. Nine in the last 10 games against the Raiders. 16 in the last 19 games. 14 of the last 17 games, uh, the Chiefs are just simply dominating the Raiders, dominating the division. Patrick Mahomes now 23-3 and versus AFC West teams. That, that's unheard of. That's ridiculous. But he's 13-0 against said division on the road. But now it's time to hear from you. Let's go no huddle. Edward Jolaire gets the handoff. Off the first hit, off the second hit, off the third hit, and into the sweet nectar of the end zone. Taking your calls now at 913-586-7610. That's right. Time for no huddle. Brought to you, uh, give us a call on the Silverstein Ice Center phone line, 913-586-7610. That's also our Jay Southland's tow service. Text line 913-586-7610. Can't wait to hear from you guys tonight. We'll start out in, uh, well, California, because Chiefs Kingdom, it's everywhere. Good old Reggie in Anaheim. What's up, Reggie? Hey, man. So I'm sitting down here in uh, Fullerton, California at a 24-hour fitness gym, decked out head to toe, red hat, red shirt, Chiefs Chiefs, uh, paraphernalia on, and uh, getting cold stairs from the whole gym, and I love it because ain't nobody going to swing on me. So check it out, man. Um, I thought today's game was – was uh was was overshadowed by the rest, man. You really, it, it soured everything that happened else in the game because once again we've seen the NFL crap all over itself with horrible calls. Uh, what what I can't figure out is how is it that when Tom Brady gets thrown to the ground, that's that's called uh, roughing the passer, but then Patrick Mahomes gets flung to the ground in the same exact manner, and there's no penalty call. Uh, they need to review it, and I don't mean in the off season. There needs to be an adjustment. Uh, in the season on how that, that, that particular penalty is levied. Which they can't do because you saw them doing it with Tua. Yeah, they also did it in this game, too. You saw those refs kind of start to swallow those whistles and give us a couple makeup calls in the <laughs> second half. Yeah, I think Carl uh, so, Cheffer so is the uh, referee. I think he was afraid. And by the way, the Chiefs have a history uh, with Carl Cheffer's uh, going back for including the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But he was scared of those Chiefs fans. He should have been because I'm going to tell you this, man. Kansas City is a really, really small place uh, when you've been on TV all night and uh, you're messing up calls like that. I mean, I mean, you know, people can just seem to just, I don't know, show up at the hotel. But uh, uh, the last thing I wanted to say, man, was, you know, on the game itself, again, which was overshadowed by poor piss poor uh, officiating, and I mean that across the board for both teams, uh, Orlando Brown uh, was getting the business with no sales tax tonight. Uh, I don't know what happened on that left side, man. 
but uh, but they would treat him like Ike and Tina Turner, and he wasn't Ike. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know what needs to happen over there, man. But we, but I mean, the Bills are coming into town next week, man, and they and they out for blood. So uh, I'll listen up, Air Bink. Go All ahead. Right, thanks, man. Rich. <laughs> I've been telling him to do it. He's a comedian naturally. He threw in, he got the business without the tax. I mean, see, that's the stuff I, I, I want. That's the stuff that I really like. Let's go to the one, the only Batman and Lawrence. What's up, Batman? Well, you're the one and only Bink, the Binkster. Uh, the, the gravy drinking, Bink. It's victory gravy. I have. You yes, know, it's true. I, I don't like have this. any. <laughs> you have gravy? I don't. Well, I, we're, we're cooking up a vat All right. that we're going to drink at the parade. Uh, it's a big one, and everybody just get, just got to bring a dipper. You know what I mean? Yes. And I always like to hear that dime that Reggie dropped in, in California because, you know, <laughs> the, we heard him. That used to be the Oakland Raiders, wherever, whatever city that is. Somewhere back on the coast, it was lost in the black hole. But uh, all I can tell you tonight is, that, my goodness, is Travis, uh, what, what is he, the GOAT? It's Travis the GOAT. That's four more touchdown passes for the other GOAT, which is Sir Patrick. And, and you know, how many touchdown passes is he going to get 60 this year? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to take another trip. To, uh, we're going to go bowling, and it's called Super Bowl again. <laughs> and you know what? The Batman's going to go right with you because when I'm not, not fighting crime or when I'm not uh, swerving away from the, da- the red tail hawks, I'm telling you that I'm watching the Chiefs and I'm watching the Red Machine do this red mongoose thing, and we're going to do our thing all the way to the Super Bowl. And I love you, Bink, because you're the man. Bye. Bye, Batman. Good stuff right there. Yes, Travis Kelsey's the GOAT. You know, I'm tired of hearing about Mark Andrews last night, right? It's Kittle and Kelsey. Listen, Kelsey's not even close, or excuse me, Kittle's not even close to Kelsey's level. He's had six straight years of 1,000 yards, man. He's with Devontae Adams. He's like got more yards than DeAndre Hopkins going back to 2016. He is the GOAT. Greg Olson, that's on Fox now, he did it three times. That that was the most ever, three times in a row. Excuse me. Gonzalez done it four times, but it wasn't in a row. Shannon Sharp's done it three times. Kelsey separated himself from everybody. It was the most touchdowns ever on Monday Night Football. Guess what? Monday Night Football's been around a minute. He just keeps getting the job done. He didn't need 100 yards. He's caught touchdowns tonight. And he's a marked man. He's the best receiver the Chiefs have by far, but he continues to get the job done. Travis Kelsey, he is the GOAT. And we talk about other tight ends. He can make a legitimate statement. He's the best to ever play the tight end position. I don't even think it's close. And I keep hearing about other tight ends in the league. They, they can't sniff what Kelsey's doing. It's unbelievable because of his age right now. It's just crazy the kind of stuff that he's doing. Let's go back to the phones and Connor in Overland Park. What's up, Connor? Hey, Big. How you doing, man? Good. What's up? Man, hey, what a win tonight. Four and one. Are you kidding me? A little bit close. But hey, I think the Chiefs are, are in prime position to beat the Bills. I think, uh, you know, a little scary tonight. But, I, hey, you know what? We're going. I wish Bill Sub would have done the drum roll on a rock chalk. <laughs> I mean, what? Bobby Wood Jr. He stepped right up, man. Do you see him just taking taking that that drum, man? It was Bobby Witt freaking Jr. out there. Nah, but Travis Kelsey, man, just like what you're talking about earlier. 2020, he was second in the NFL in receiving yards. Think about that. 2020, second receiving yards. 2019, fourth in the NFL, first in the AFC. 2018. 10th. Kelsey, uh, by the way, Jason Witten's done it four times, having a thousand yards. 
Gronk has done it four times. Shannon Sharp three times. And then you got six straight years over 1,000 yards uh, for Travis Kelsey. That, that stuff is unbelievable. And as far as Mahomes and what he's doing, can the Chiefs make it to Super Bowl? Well, all he's done, Mahomes, and he's he keeps, you know, he's been in this league for quite a while now, right? It's his fifth year starting. What's he done the other four years? He's been in the Super Bowl or the AFC title game, not just in the AFC title game, but in overtime in the AFC title game. Doesn't get enough credit. But uh, let's talk to somebody that was there, someone that heard the crowd. Um, you guys could have been as loud as you've ever been. That's what people are saying about that tonight, that the crowd could have been the loudest that you've ever seen. The guy that will know the answer, the sideline reporter of the Kansas City Chiefs, also co-host Fesco in the morning, Josh Klingler, right now on the Silverstein Eye Center's phone line. We'll go out. To, it's a trusted, most trusted eye doctor in Kansas City. We go out to Josh Klingler now. What's Bank. up, Kling? Sorry about that. Hey, Bank. I, sorry about uh, that, man. I had some blinking problems. I'm sorry. I'm my fault. Hey, how was that game, man? The, certainly the boos were the loudest that uh, you've, you've ever heard at Arrowhead Stadium. And they were uh, chanting things we can't talk about on the radio, but it's actually, we probably can now pass yeah. midnight, but we won't. But, yeah. yeah, the chants were incredible. Andy, 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 after he finally got <laughs> his uh, – his meeting with the uh, the referee Carl Jeffers. Uh, that was that was unbelievable. The play obviously was a was a bad call, and then I thought maybe even worse that you know Andy Reid couldn't get an audience with the with the the lead referee, which was just unbelievable. And that really kind of fueled it. I've never seen him so mad. Uh, and then continuing to to try to get the referee's attention, and Carl Jeffers just outright ignoring him. It was uh, it was an unbelievable scene, but. Uh, you know, it ended up firing everybody up, and you looked up at the scoreboard at halftime and just down 10, and I thought, wow, Chiefs are in a great position here. Go score to open the second half, and it's game on. And, and obviously the Chiefs able to put together a run, and then, you know, the, the tail end of the game was, was awful bizarre, right? I think, you know, the, the Raiders did help in a couple of instances uh, late in this one. But, wow, what a, what a fun ball game, and that's the one you want to come on the, on the right side of. Have you ever seen anything like that, Kling? Because I was trying to think, and the Buffalo Bills Monday night game in the early 90s when Schottenheimer took over, that really became the rise of Arrowhead. Matter of fact, I pinpoint as that as the rise of Arrowhead Stadium the way we know it now because it's not always been that way. You know, I had season tickets throughout the 80s and stuff like that. It wasn't anywhere like that. Is this the loudest game you've ever been to? This was, I mean, this was pretty loud. I don't know, all told game-wise. You know, I still think there's been a playoff game that's probably been louder. But um, when they got angry, <laughs> you know, like uh, just before halftime and then into the start of the second half, there was one point that, that Mitch and Dana sent it down to me in the sidelines. I literally couldn't hear them. And I had, I had the headphones cranked, and I said, I think you sent it to me. And I just kind of started talking. I assumed I was on the air. Uh, but it was, yeah, it got really loud when the, when the fans got a little angry um, in the, uh, the early stages of the, the, uh, the second half. And then obviously – you know they they had an impact uh, on on the Raiders did for the most part a pretty good job of negating a lot of the sound. They went to a lot of silent counts and but uh, you know they they rose to the occasion on some big uh, stops to help the defense out. No no question about it. Did you did you sense kind of like I did? It looked like Carl Cheffers, the referee. It seemed like they were rattled. <laughs> it seemed like the yeah. referees actually got rattled. They really did, and some of the kind of makeup calls. But they had a scared look on their face. and I'm, Referees are always the most confident group there is, but 
after those chants, it legitimately looked like they were rattled. Yeah, and they looked like that if they made another bad call, <laughs> that, that the building would have really turned. I mean, it, it was uh, – I didn't see any you – know, no, nobody threw anything, or there was nothing on the field or anything like that. But the boos were raining down, and every call that didn't go the Chiefs' way, uh, they were having you know uh, their way with. Yeah, and it looked like it, it might have had an, an effect uh, later on in the game when the Chiefs seemingly were kind of on the, on the right end of some calls. Maybe the crowd helped out, but you're right. They looked spooked. Were you on the, close to Andy Reid there in the tunnel? Because he waited, talked to Carl Sheffers. I, I heard Dane and you know, kind of talking about it on the uh, the uh, Chiefs broadcast. Everybody heard on 106.5, uh, the Wolf there at halftime. And Andy was about as animated as he's ever been. Keep yeah. in mind, this guy's third all-time in postseason wins in NFL history. One more, and he ties Tom Landry. It's two more, and it's just him and Belichick. He's got a little street cred in the National Football League. When he's mad, do we all listen? Yeah, and I was standing on the field, yeah, as he was talking to Carl Sheffers at, at halftime. Couldn't hear what he was saying, but he was pretty animated. I think, I think he was more upset, you know, less about the call and more about not getting uh, an audience with him sooner because it, it took, you know, two and a half minutes of, well, of game time, which was a lot more, obviously, in terms of real time. And, and he could not get any kind of attention to the, to the, uh, the referee to be able to to make his case. And so I felt like he was more upset about that than maybe the call itself. Obviously they all wanted an explanation as to what the call was, but I think it was that, that he was felt, felt like he was ignored, you know, coaches, it's not mandatory that a coach, you know, gets an audience with the referee, but out of courtesy, it usually happens like, Hey, come explain to me what happened on that particular play. And Andy Reid didn't get anything until uh, halftime. So I think he was pretty, uh, pretty upset about that. And the one thing is, too, oftentimes you worry about games. Could they be let down games before the big one? You know, obviously next week everybody's talking about the Bills and Chiefs. That's the top two teams in the AFC, in, the AFC, in my opinion. It's not even close. It's those teams and nobody else. Uh, the Raiders, they, they fought the Chiefs hard tonight, but that's a team that's going to implode if they keep acting when you have Renfro running into Devontae Adams at the end of the game. That, that didn't seem like a well-oiled unit to some extent, but – I was a little bit surprised with the crowd and everything else, considering how big next week's game is. I mean, I, I don't think there was a look ahead. You know, it's, it's natural to say that, that, you know, did they, did they look ahead? I don't, I don't think that that was the case at all. I think, I think the Raiders had a really good game plan to come out. They really attacked the edges defensively, and Crosby and Jones were a menace to start the game. Chiefs made a great adjustment on them. I think defensively, Obviously, they were a little bit leaky in guarding down the field and had some maybe miscommunication and execution issues. They righted that and uh, kind of put their foot in the ground and, and decided they were going to turn the game. And then, obviously, I thought once the crowd, I think the crowd being mad really was energizing to the, uh, to the Chiefs and negative to the, uh, to the Raiders. So um, I don't think it was a look-at situation at all, but obviously now we're setting up kind of the, the game of the year. And I, I know – the guys that I spoke with in the locker room after the game were, were kind of onto that one pretty quickly as well. They know what's ahead, and, and now it's a short week. I can tell you what the narrative's going to be, Jay, already. Mm-hmm. We can already say this, that, the, that the, uh, the Chiefs had to battle and then had to play on Monday night where the Bills had a laugher and got an extra day of rest. So we know that's going to be the, uh, the, uh, the narrative heading into this one. Um, I don't think it's much going to matter. They're going to they're gonna be fired up. I am a little... You know, questioning the, uh, the the health a little bit of the Chiefs. They got pretty beat up again tonight. Um, obviously, Trey Smith couldn't go in this one. You'd love to be able to get Harrison Butker. I'm not sure how close he is 
uh, to being out there because the kicker situation, despite making a 59-yarder, was a little <laughs> bit leaky on the rest of it. It's a record um, cling. Yeah. Lost uh, Turk Wharton tonight along the defensive line. Hopefully you can swap that out with Mike Dana coming back uh, next week. Trent McDuffie is going to be eligible to come back as well. Hopefully he's back in the mix and uh, and they can be uh, you know, as closer, closer to healthy as they can be. But uh, they got beat up pretty good tonight. Travis Kelsey took a beating. Uh, a lot of guys were uh, aching uh, in the in the locker room, but obviously feeling a lot better with a win. Great stuff, Kling. Wild crowd out there tonight. Be wild next week against the Bills. Kling will be in here about uh, five hours or so, a little over five hours. Josh Klingler and Bob Fesco bringing you all the reaction from the game tomorrow morning. This Josh Klingler, the sideline reporter of the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks, Kling. Yeah, you mentioned the the crowds. I mean, I mean, it's going to be super amped on Sunday. We know that, right? So, I mean, there's been two prime time games. And and now a, a game of the year type game. I mean that's that's a pretty good start to the home schedule, right? Um, the lid's going to be uh, off this place again on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. No question about it. Take care, Kling. We'll be listening in the morning. Night night. <laughs> I might hear Kling on the way back. <laughs> Typically, uh, Speck in here for us uh, tonight as well. But yeah, you guys are crazy tonight. I mean the the, the fans were noticeable. You know, a lot of times you watch an NFL game, you, you know, you don't really notice the fans. You notice them tonight. Remember a couple of years ago when we didn't have fans? <laughs> Compare that to the way it was tonight. That was football. That was fans. That was the SEC, what you saw tonight. That was, that was a great, great crowd considering Buffalo's next week. Listen, you can look ahead in the NFL, and it does happen. But the Raiders, you know, they – you know, out Vegas, the Raiders were dancing on the logo last year with the Chiefs beating like 48 to 9, something like that. I mentioned they beat them 9 in the last 10, 14 in the last 16, 16 in the last 19. It's absolute mastery over this division. Patrick Mahomes is now 8 and 1 against the Raiders. Derek Carr moves to 1 and 8 at Arrowhead Stadium. The great quarterback carousel continues with Josh Allen next week. And again, it's all you're going to hear about Mahomes versus Josh Allen. That's going to be the matchup. But again, Give Mahomes the number one defense in the NFL and see what sees what happens. See what happens. Josh Allen played with the number one defense last year in the NFL. The Bills are right there at two and three in a lot of categories defensively. You know, give Mahomes the number one defense, and then let's uh, let's start to talk. We'll take a timeout here on the uh, Arrowhead Pride post game show. Uh, Pete Sweeney, speaking of Arrowhead Pride, he will join us. The editor in chief, ArrowheadPride.com, will fill you in on all the Chiefs' the latest injury news. Chris Jones news and everything else next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show presented by Andy's Frozen Custard. Tune in Mondays at 2.15 for our weekly conversation with Patrick Mahomes on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And hey, welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show. Jay Binkley with Stephen Spector. Kansas City Chiefs, another victory over the Raiders. Seems like we say that all the time. In regards to that team, don't forget they're 7-3 in the last 10 against the Chargers. 9-1 in the last 10 against the Raiders. And oh, by the way, they beat the Broncos 13 straight. And people were picking other teams this division? <laughs> I don't think so. Somewhere Devontae Adams is still mad. Guess what? The Raiders will be doing a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium tonight. Not only that, there's no dancing on the logo as well. Yes, it was a close game, but, you know, when we look back in history, there's two things it's called, a W or an L. And tonight was an L for the Raiders. A man that was there on the scene in his fancy new shoes 
We'll go out to Pete Sweeney. Pete's appearance is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook, and the official sportsbook of 610 Sports Radio. Pete, good evening, my friend. Stadium. What are you, what are you, good evening from Arrowhead Stadium. You got me now? I got you now, Pete. Okay, yeah. It yeah. sounded What's better without you. How are you. I'm kidding. <laughs> I said to get you back for what you're going to do to me at the end of this uh, segment because you always do it. All right, Pete, how crazy was it out there tonight? So it, it was as loud as I've heard it in, in a long time, and I was curious about just the magnitude of it compared to previous games and, and things at Arrowhead. And I mean, this is a franchise that has the loudest Guinness world record. And I think a little bit of a difference in that is that that particular game, you were going after the record. Everyone knew that. And, and it was orchestrated. This was, I think as loud as it's naturally been, maybe since the chiefs clinched the AFC title and were going to the Super Bowl. And I, I took to Twitter and I, I asked fans that just because I, I could hear it even through the press box, which is, is built to be soundproof. Uh, and I got a lot of confirmations. The the fans that were in attendance were able to reach out to me on Twitter. And I think in a weird way, the, the key to the game might have been that penalty at the time. It, it seems like it, it might cost the Chiefs the, the game. And I, I think People at Arrowhead are, are smart. They're smart football fans. I, I think they realized that it was a, a terrible call, one of the worst calls we've seen in a long time. And it, it not only upset them, I think, at the time in the second quarter, but then you had that energy carry into the Chiefs locker room, and then they were still very upset in, in the third quarter. I, I know you enjoy a beer every once in a while, Bink. I, I can imagine there were a few people on the concession lines getting <laughs> maybe a little bit more tipsy and, and not exactly happy with the way things have gone and firing each other up. And man, they got out for the, th- the third quarter was just as loud as it was in the second quarter. And that's what a, a 15 minute break. And I, I tend to think that turned the whole energy of the game around. Well, Pete, whether people tomorrow on arrowheadpride.com, whether they listen to 16 sports radio, whether they're talking to their friends at work or whatever, this game has got a lot to talk about. It's one of my favorite games. It's definitely my favorite game I've seen this year. Uh, obviously the super bowls are, are better or the AFC title game win or lose. But I had more fun watching this one because of all the storylines coming out of it. I mean, there's things we can't forget about. I mean, the offensive line looked shaky at times tonight. Uh, the defensive line, they weren't getting back to Derek Carr early on in this game. There was, there was some things to be concerned about. But that, that play with, with the BS chance and everything the, the crowd was doing, it was evident on TV, by the way. You could hear the, the BS chants. You probably heard them in the press box as well. I've never seen a fan base kind of have their teams back for as long as that was. Because they, they had their back the rest of the game. I mean, I, I've heard it like initially, but not have the back of the team that long like they did. Do they win that game without that penalty? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, and I, again, at the time, it, it seemed like it was a, a big positive for the Raiders. Like the Raiders had, had gotten the break. And I, I can't remember a game when I, I really truly felt like the fans had a significant impact and they were so upset and they wouldn't let it go and i'll be honest with you like and and this is just the reality of the way it works the referees are humans too and i think they were feeling the heat to call some (laughs) penalties for the chiefs in the third quarter i think the chiefs got some penalties that maybe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise in the in the third quarter it felt like there were several that were makeup penalties and i i really think that the referees were were shook by how upset the fans were. I, I think if the game went awry and the Chiefs had had ended up 
continuing to lose following this penalty. I mean, I don't know what would have happened at Arrowhead. I mean, we've seen, and I don't want to say that this is definitely the case, but we've seen other fan bases who felt like they've been screwed, throw things on the field and whatnot. It, it kind of had that feeling. I'm not saying that would happen. We'll never know. Uh, but I've never heard in my nine years covering the team, uh, the fan base this upset, this loud for this long, uh, expressing their displeasure. I'm with you. I've heard a man like for, for a call or something like that, but not something that just carried over as long as it did. And, you know, no, there was going to be nobody from the chief sideline calming them down. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they loved it because they had their back. This team got angry at times. They weren't happy. I mean, it's, it's cool because it's the Raiders. Is that the biggest rival in your opinion, or is it the Broncos? Where, where do you sit on that? Is it still the Raiders, even though the Chiefs have domination over them? I, I tend to think right now, and, and I had actually talked to Carrington about this today leading up to the game, I think one of these teams in the AFC West really needs to start winning a little more consistently for them to be a, a great rival right now. Uh, as it stands this year, I, I think the biggest rival currently is, is the Buffalo Bills, yeah. just because I don't think – Anyone in the AFC West approaches the class that the Chiefs are in, and the Buffalo Bills are you know, the only other real co- contender that you feel like is close. Now, this type of game does help the rivalry, but you know, as we know with all rivalries, the team has to be competitive, and you got to be playing eventually in a game that matters. Like, are we really going to see a Kansas City Chiefs Raiders playoff game? I mean, I, I don't think anytime soon. Once again, they're they're staring down one and four at this point, but. I think you, you did feel a little bit of that energy, and I, I think you can see that Josh McDaniel has something going on there. I, maybe they're not going to emerge yet, but I think this team is going to be better under his leadership moving forward, and, and maybe that rivalry starts with a game like tonight and, and builds toward the future as they might have a little bit more success. Pete was looking at the offense and defense. As far as the offense was concerned, Mahomes almost gets to 300, eight yards shy of that, the four touchdowns, of course, all to Kelsey. Kelsey had a great game once again. The McKinnon looked good at times, I'll be honest with you. Like, he looked fresh, and he can be that guy. Um, we, we know that in spurts, we see good stuff out of McKinnon. I think we want to see Clyde do that more. It was 9 of 15. The Chiefs ended up with 103 yards uh, rushing. Uh, receiving, yeah, can they get over the Tyree kill not having him here? We saw finally a breakout game from MVS. Six for 90. Did have that uh, drop Hardman. Um, he showed up as well, 73 yards receiving uh, from McCole Hardman in this game. The offensive line looked shaky at times. I felt like they gave Mahomes some pressure early on. Just your overall impressions of the offense. Uh, how much of a step back do you think they took from last week in that uh, display against Tampa? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little half concerned, I guess, about, about the offensive line. And, and I, I think, look, if you love the win tonight, right? And when you win, every, every problem is a, is a lot better. You didn't have Trey Smith tonight. I, I think, you know, that was a little bit of a problem at the beginning of the game when Andrew Wiley wasn't getting enough help with, with a guy like Max Crosby. And so and I think that factors into it. But leading into the Buccaneers game, Andy Reid essentially said, a, you know, as far as he would go, that he needed to challenge the offensive line, and they really rose to the occasion. And you saw them play really four good quarters against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then it was a little bit of a dud once again uh, against the Raiders and Patrick Mahomes and the press conference after the game essentially said, look, I needed to challenge them at a certain point. And then they started to play well. And I, I'm just wondering, like, does this offensive line get the message? They need to play four quarters every single game. And, and when they do start to play well, like you saw toward the end of the second quarter, 
what the offense can do when it comes to moving the ball down the field uh, with Patrick Mahomes and, and the pass game and the run game. I think the Chiefs are, are better when they're, they're balanced. That means you're going to have to have a run game. This team does not have a bell cow, which drives fantasy owners nuts, but you can still win without a bell cow. I think sometimes you're going to have a Clyde edwards Lair game. I think sometimes you're going to have an Isaiah Pacheco game. Maybe that's a little bit further down the road. And I think other times you're going to have a Jarek McKinnon game where that veteran experience does matter. I was able to ask Andy Reid about McKinnon and, and his game, and, and he said sometimes you need a guy that has been around the block and can do things like be patient, wait for blocks, wait for the game to kind of open up for you. That's something that Isaiah Pacheco, who's a rookie in this league, is, is still learning and, and developing. And sometimes – the, the hot hand is not going to be Clyde. It's going to be Jarek McKinnon, and kudos to the Chiefs for riding the hot hand. And, and you saw the, the game-changing plays that McKinnon was able to make, I think, between the offensive line, sort of getting a fire lit under it by Patrick Mahomes, and then Jarek McKinnon doing what he did. And you, you throw in the secret sauce of Arrowhead Stadium being as ticked off as we've ever heard it, and I think that turned the game completely around. Yeah, you got to be able to run the football because it takes so much pressure off of Mahomes. Now, on the flip side, on defensive side, Arizona, 103 yards, Chargers, 75, Indy, 82. The Buccaneers, a whopping three yards rushing. Uh, the Raiders burst out for 155 tonight. Uh, Jacobs has looked like a different uh, guy this year. It's by far uh, the most rushing yards they've given up. They were number one in the NFL, giving up 65 yards a game, which is insane considering it's, uh, well, basically a quarter, a little bit, well, 17 games, a little more, than, uh, a little bit less than a quarter of the season. But... Bolton made tackles. I mean, he was about as sure as tackle as you could get. The rest of the defense had their trouble making tackles, and we didn't see the secondary blitzes like we typically do, manufacturing pass rushes. Yeah, a, a little bit left to be desired by the, the defense tonight. I, I think you had to go into the game knowing that Devontae was going to get you a few times. You got a really young cornerback group. You got Jalen Watson on one side. Rashad Fenton hasn't really been playing particularly well. That's not a good recipe when you're going up against a top five wide receiver in the, the NFL. And, and we saw the Raiders take advantage of that. The run game, I mean, that was tough. Uh, you, you can't allow Josh Jacobs to run like he did. I, at a certain point early in the game, you know, talk about the first quarter and then really the beginning of the second, Josh Jacobs was bullying the, the Chiefs. And I go back to John Gruden and I guess Rich Basaccia by extension. Like, I don't know. Everyone really wrote off Josh Jacobs. And I, I always thought he was a pretty good back. And it, and it seems like this new regime is leaned in a bit more to him, and I, I think they realize they're going to have to have this one-two punch of Jacobs and, and Adams if they're going to win football games. The Raiders are, are not as bad as their record. You know, I, I wouldn't be stunned if this team can kind of turn it around and make things interesting to, to get a wild card push. They're really far back as far as, as division goes. But, you know, you, you talk about the defensive effort. I think the Chiefs could have been better largely in this game, but at the same time, I, I don't think the Raiders are as bad as their record is presenting because they do have some weapons. And Derek Carr is not Patrick Mahomes, right? He's not Justin Herbert, but he's certainly serviceable. And I think he can push his team to a, a playoff if they're, they're doing the right things. And I think you saw a little bit of that, that today. Uh, again, Adams is going to get you a little bit more concerned about the rush defense. But look, you have, what, four, or, uh, should I say, yeah, four, four good games. And then one, you know, you leave some room to be desired. So now you refocus and, and try to. Uh, do a better job with what will be Devin Singletary next week. Yeah, I thought tackling was an issue early on. Just like when the Raiders went four on fourth down at their own 42, got that first touchdown to Devontae Adams. They, they they went for it because of bad tackling they were able to bring in within a yard. Like had they make the, made the initial tackle, the Raiders probably punt there instead of go for it because they wouldn't have been a yard away two or three. Nick Bolton to me, and I know Darius Harris had a, had a nice game with 10 tackles. 
But Nick Bolton is the is the only sure tackler on that defense that you can count on every time he comes up. It's a it's a good player to have as young as you do on a rookie contract. And, and Nick Bolton to me is a player in the second level that you can kind of build around. And and I I thought that Chris Jones played a little bit better as the game went along, but he wasn't really playing all that particularly well toward the beginning. And I, I think, look, this is a division game, too. You know, sometimes you're, you're playing an inferior team, but they're in your division. They know you so well, and so they can take advantage of certain things. This game, game did not come down to Patrick Mahomes. This, this game came down to a defensive stand, one-point lead. And, sure, I think there was, were things that they wish they could have back, and they wish they played a better game overall. But in that moment, when you needed the defense to have a stop, they were, they were able to get it done. Uh, they were helped a little bit by the Raiders running into each other. I know that Chiefs fans will laugh about that all week as they get ready for this big game against the Buffalo Bills. But uh, the defense had to, to, to stop them at the end, uh, and that was something that, that Justin Reed told me after the game. It's like we talked about this type of moment at training camp where we know we have Patrick Mahomes. We know how good this offense can be. We want to be the reason that we win a football game on some occasions we want to shut the door when we need to, when a team could drive down the field and kick a field goal to win it. Carlson was especially good tonight. And so that didn't happen because of what the chief chiefs defense was able to do at the end. Last thing for you, Pete, uh, just a few things on the injury report. You had tweeted out about Tershawn Wharton and uh, the ACL worried about that with him. Frank Clark's illness, any concern you have with that? Trey Smith, you think we get him back for the bills game? It seemed like Trey Smith was, was, tracking to maybe play in this game and didn't end up working out for him. So I think Chiefs are optimistic about that. Wasn't ready to go tonight. Nick Allegretti is a serviceable backup, but of course you want to have all of your your players when you're playing a team like the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see what the injury report says on Wednesday. Quick turnaround for the Chiefs here uh, in, in what is a day short week. Uh, Buffalo Bills get a slight advantage with that. And so we'll We'll have the injury report on Wednesday, and, and, and we'll see a tough, tough loss with Turk Wharton. The, the benefit that they, the Chiefs do have uh, is that they do have three defensive tackles on the practice squad. Danny Shelton's one of them, uh, Taylor Stallworth, Cortez Broughton. So we'll see if, if one of those is, is called up uh, to fill his shoes. Uh, he's the only serious injury. Frank Clark, the sickness stuff just doesn't go away, which is a, a little annoying because I, I actually thought he was special. Of all the, the players on defense, I thought he came to play, it seemed like, right away. And then he, he did. It's bizarre. A couple other minor injuries uh, that, that don't seem like they're going to be um, huge worries. Brian Cook, concussion, so we'll see if he can get out of the protocol. And then Rashad Fenton, of course, with cramps. But other, other than the Wharton issue, it, it does seem like everything else is, is relatively minor. It's Pete Sweeney, ArrowheadPride.com, your one-stop shop for Chiefs information uh, to, to read about. He's the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. His appearance is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook in the official sportsbook of 610 Sports Radio, also our insider here, uh, Chiefs insider on 610 Sports Radio. Thanks a bunch, Pete. Bye. <laughs> he did it again. He did it again, Spec. He likes to say, smell you later. And he only does it after wins. If they lose, he won't do it. <laughs> keep trying to hang up on him before he does it. He does it each and every week. But we, we've heard a lot about the Chris Jones play. And what do you think happened? Did that fire the crowd up? I mean, if you were there and you're still driving around, maybe you cruised in to get a late-night hamburger or something like that, what did you think? Because I, I, you could hear the chants.
You, you know what you were saying. I, I've never seen the crowd that mad for that long. I've seen you all mad, but not that mad for that long. I mean, it just carried over. Some of you are probably still mad about that Chris Jones play. I know I was fired up. I mean, I don't tweet all that much, but it brought out like three tweets. I mean, seriously, I just I don't do it, but I was so mad about that. The is are showing, you know, they're showing the Tom Brady, you know, pass roughing the passer right now, and then they're going to add Chris Jones. Chris Jones will be a topic on sports radio across the country uh, tomorrow, not only here, but in other places as well. It was a topic of conversation with guys like Micah Parsons talking about it. Players talk about, well, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do to a player, to a quarterback hitting the ground? They're getting to the point where what they've done to defensive backs, where they're worried to just hit somebody because of drawing a flag. And you hear Danon talking about it, which, you know, he's being fair about it because he's a former wide receiver talking about the uh, defensive backs. Well, the uh, Chiefs, when, when, when there's a controversial play, uh, they, there's the one reporter. It's called the pool reporter. And they asked Carl Cheffers, um, who was the head ref in this game, uh, can you explain the play on Chris Jones? He says, quote, the quarterback in the pocket is in a, pa- is in a passing posture. He gets full protection of all aspects of what we give the quarterback in a po- in a passing posture. So when he was tackled, the ruling was the defender landed on him with full body weight. The quarterback is protected from being tackled with full body weight. My ruling was roughing the passer for that reason. And he goes on and on about that reason. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Chris Jones was not putting his full weight. He had the football in his hand. He landed on that. He wasn't landing on Derek Carr. That was not a full take the quarterback on. As a matter of fact, Derek Carr, after the game, told Chris Jones. They're, they're friends. He goes, I can't believe they called that. Nobody can. I mean, the broadcasters couldn't believe they said Andy Reid, who's seen a ton of football. Like I said, he's third all-time in postseason wins. He was mad about it, and you never see Andy Reid that mad. But he was that mad. The fan base was that mad, too. I, I, <laughs> I hate what's going on with football right now. Like, I hate it. Like, I understand the NFL is all worried about the Tua thing and having him fall down on the field, and he plays the next week, and his hands go all nuts um, on national TV the following week because he shouldn't have been playing the NFL, redoing its concussion protocols. But what do you want, flag football? This is what I grew up on. I grew up on the old VHS tapes you put in the, in the, in the, in the what they called it back then, VCRs? Yeah, they did have VCRs back in the day. Specs probably, uh, he's old enough he can remember that, but there used to be VCRs. And it was called, you know, they had the greatest hit, the greatest hits. And they had Lawrence Taylor doing his deal and Andre Tippett hitting the quarterback. The NFL made money on that kind of stuff. And now you can't even hit the quarterback. And here's the thing. In my opinion, they should review this. And we'll hear Chris Jones talking about this in here in a minute. Review the play. Because that is a game-changing type play. The Buccaneers game versus the Falcons was essentially changed because of that play. This game could have been a win by the Raiders. This That play could have cost the Chiefs possibly home field, the one team getting home field in the playoffs. Because the Buffalo Bills have proven they choke. Remember last year, 41-15 lost the Colts down the stretch. They lose the Jags. It can happen. Yeah, they look great now, but it can happen. That one play could have cost them. And given the Raiders momentum where they get their second win, now they're 1-4. and four. I, I don't think they can even sniff the playoffs Right now with this record, it's not going to happen. They're, they're going to self-implode at some point. Josh McDaniel is not a great coach. You know that. He looked good at times with Denver early on, then would finish 8-8. Eight and eight. 
That's kind of what he does. Not worried about the Raiders whatsoever in that. But it could have changed this game. And you would have even been more mad. I would have been more mad right now going into tomorrow. That's all we would have talked about, even though we're going to talk about the Chris Jones play. Because he took the football. So if you want to know, by definition, Derek Carr does not become the passer. Derek Carr becomes the defender. Chris Jones had the football. He essentially becomes the ball carrier, and Derek Carr essentially becomes the defender. That's where the gray area is. Is he still the is he still a passer at that point if he didn't have the football? Or is it like an interception where he becomes a defender? You intercept the football, you can do whatever you want to the quarterback. And do whatever the hell you want at that point because he becomes a defender. It's like anybody else on the football field. Any of the 11 players, the quarterback becomes that. In my opinion, that's the rule. Chris Jones took the football. He becomes essentially the ball carrier. Derek Carr becomes, quote, the defender. But he didn't even land on him. He didn't even put his, his full weight on him. But that's the play that's going to be talked about um, a lot tomorrow. His Chris Jones uh, further explaining that penalty and how he sees it. What I'm going to go up to him and say, how should I tackle? How should I not roll on him? I'm trying my best. I'm 340, 25 pounds, okay? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'm, I'm running full speed trying to get the quarterback. I hit the ball. What do you want me to do? I brace my, my hands. So I think it's now it's like taking the initiative to uh, extend to look at roughing the passers now as a league, you know, like they did pass interference uh, a couple years back, where we can view the pass interference. I think that's now the the next level we're gonna have to take as a league for all these rough and the passes. Chris, like what do you happen, Chris? Like, what do you do to make sure you can't change the way you play? Hey, listen, so this is a Christian-like league, man. I'm afraid that I stay off the quarterback. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to pick him up and carry him, lay him down nowadays, man. You know, but you know the Ralph, I I get it. It, it happens so fast. You know, it, it kind of looked like that initially, but when you actually look at through the video and slow it down, you see I kind of braced. And the ref might have seen just a big 300-pound land on him. I get it. I get it. not saying the ref is wrong, but I'm just saying that those situations can affect the game tremendously. And especially you get in the playoff, a critical situation like that, a game-changing play, it can affect the whole f You know what I'm saying? Excuse my language. But, you know, we just got to take initiative as a league and see what we can do better about it. Chris Jones is 100% right. I'll give him credit there because I think we're all more mad than Chris Jones is. But he takes the high road there because people are going to have his back. The fans had his back. I mean, he's got to love that. You know, the fans, uh, the way they were yelling and things like that at that game. But, yeah, wait till it happens in the postseason. What if that costs a team a chance in the playoffs? What if it costs gamblers money? The NFL takes money from Caesars. They take money from everybody. They profit off of it. Payne Manning's running his commercials. You know, the NFL prospers off of that stuff. What if this starts affecting the pocketbooks? Then what happens? But when you hear like Pereira and these other officials say it was a bad call, to me, it's a bad call. I saw it with my own eyes. It's one of the worst plays I've ever seen, honestly. Because what are you supposed to do? It was a perfect play, a strip sack. He took the football. That was an amazing play, and he keeps finding himself in these situations. Just like the whole Matt Ryan thing. Remember that? He was just talking with Ryan. Matt won't see what was said and everything, but it was just stuff that goes on the football field. Guys aren't very nice to each other out there. They cuss at each other. They yell at each other. They're not nice. But <laughs> this is what happened. Kurt Nelson, you might know him from the, the Royals Hall of Fame, text me. And he says, lost in the shuffle, the 17 seconds to get the three points. Yes, that three points the Chiefs got there at the end of the first half, considering what had just happened with the Chris Jones. To be able to go down and kick that field goal, 
And not only that, get a kicker like Matthew Wright. It was 21-24 last year with Jacksonville, by the way. A little bit surprised he didn't find his way on a team. He did miss that field goal tonight, but he said it was the longest field goal in Chiefs, uh, Chiefs history. The longest at Arrowhead Stadium ever. And the most unlikely per- person gets that field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs. But, yes, it was frustrating with Chris Jones because I, I don't know how you felt watching it, but to me this is something you talk about. Tomorrow. This is something at the end of the year you look back. See, remember that play with Chris Jones? This is one of those plays that lingers on. And it could be an impetus in the NFL to, to start reviewing these things and look at them. It happened twice in the NFL this week. It's embarrassing for the league. It is embarrassing when people at home start to get confused, like they were for years about what a catch is in the NFL, and we still don't know exactly what that is. What's a catch? But how can you get to the quarterback? Is that going to trickle down the youth football and high school football and college football? Or is it going to trickle down like, well, you better be careful, you're touching the quarterback too much. I mean, you listen to other quarterbacks, you know, former quarterbacks too, and they talk about Steve Young. Man, I'd love to play right now because they protect the quarterbacks like crazy. It's, it's protecting him too much. It's a little bit ridiculous. And I'm sure Patrick Mahomes would even agree that, hey, come on. He wasn't even slammed harder than Derek Carr was in this game. I mean, he was thrown, the, thrown to the ground. That was a play the officials could have called, but they didn't. I understand that they kind of gave the Chiefs a few calls back in that second half, but that was one they easily could have called when Mahomes got thrown to the ground. And he'll probably get those type of calls because he's a star in the National Football League at quarterback. That's just what happens uh, to these guys. But, yes, the Chris Jones play, something that uh, that I'll always remember. We'll take a timeout at this point. We come back. We'll look back at the game through the voice of Touchdown Kansas City. Mitch Holtus next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show, presented by Andy's Frozen Custard. Tune in Mondays at 7.30 for our weekly conversation with Derek Johnson on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show. I'm Jay Binkley. Chiefs get the win tonight, 30-29 to over the Raiders. And what was a great game. And don't forget, Josh McDaniels chooses to go for it there at the end to go up 31-30. Didn't do it. Josh Jacobs stopped on the goal line. They didn't get the two-point conversion. After the Chiefs just went for two, the drive before, Raiders weren't able to do it. But that's football. They end up losing the game 30-29. Chiefs, Chiefs still had a lot of time left on the clock to maybe play things a little bit differently had that been the case. But now, as we always do, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtus, and the touchdowns. We call it Touchdown Kansas City. It's time for Touchdown Kansas City. Harden waits for a block, and he gets the 15, 10, explodes, dies. The Jet has landed the plane. A highlight-filled summary of the game with the voice of Chiefs Kingdom, Mitch Holtus. Touchdown, Kansas City. That's right, Touchdown Kansas City, brought to you by Tullamore Irish Dew. When it's game time, it's totally time. Here's touchdown of the game. Starts here with the, uh, well, the Raiders went three and out to begin with. And things look good for the Kansas City Chiefs. Then, when they get the ball back, it was the Raiders getting on the clock first. And it was a fourth and one play. And Devontae Adams gets the touchdown. But keep this in mind, Bolden got 12 yards to play before because the Chiefs missed tackles. Puts the Raiders at a fourth and one situation. So that's why they decided to go for it on their own territory. Could have been a big play in the Chiefs' favor, and they decided to throw it, which 
you know, instead of just running it, I mean, you would think that'd be the safer play. They didn't do it. Anyway, it was Devontae Adams, Derek Carr's college teammate at Fresno State. And they're going to go for it, the Raiders will, on fourth and one. 8.48 to go first quarter, no score. With fourth down and a yard to go, they're four of five this year on fourth down conversions. One of the best teams in the league at it. They play action fake. They want to go long. They are going on the left side, are coming to the near side, wide open as Devontae Adams burning the Chiefs. 10-5 touchdown, Raiders. On a 58-yard bomb on fourth down and one, burning Rashad Fenton. Ended up being four plays, 67 yards, taking 252 off the clock. Again, they went for it on fourth and one. And Fenton, yes, burned badly there by Devontae Adams. Keep this in mind, too. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr back at Fresno State. His last year there, think about this, 131 catches, 1,719 yards, 24 touchdowns. They had 38 touchdowns in two years together. Yeah, they know each other well, and it's starting to parlay itself into the National Football League. But then the Raiders would go up 7 and nothing at that point, but the Raiders would strike again and get the second touchdown of the game as well for a guy that's really resurrected his career. Second down, goal to go for the Raiders. Jacobs, the lone setback. Raiders will be in the shotgun. Raiders lead 7 and nothing. 57 seconds into the second quarter. Jacobs trying to plow in the middle. He's got a touchdown. Josh Jacobs has been a touchdown machine in the red zone. That's his 31st career touchdown, his third this season. But he gets close yardage, and in the red zone, he is tough to stop. Yeah, he proved tough to stop, too. 154 yards rushing tonight for Josh Jacobs. That was a nice drive for the Raiders. 10, 10 plays, 69 yards, taking 5.03 off the clock. They built an early 14-0 lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. Then Daniel Carlson kicked a 53-yarder for the Raiders, culminating a six-play, 43-yard drive, taking three minutes off the clock, making the score 17-0. The Raiders become the uh, fifth team in NFL history to blow two 17-point leads within the first five minutes of a game because they built the lead to 17 and nothing at this point. And then it was the Patrick Mahomes show with the greatest of all time, Travis Kelsey for TD number one. The Chiefs have McKinnon in at running back. Third down, less than a yard to go for a touchdown. Raiders lead 17 to nothing. Mahomes, two eligible to the right. They look to the left, now they go for the middle. Back of the end zone, caught, touchdown! Kansas City, Travis Kelsey with the touchdown reception. From Patrick Mahomes and a great route by Kelsey. Not only that, 11 plays, 75-yard drive from the Chiefs, taking 442 off the clock. Got a one-yard touchdown reception from Travis Kelsey. Kind of a Chris Carter-like game. All he did was catch touchdowns. That made the score 17-7. Daniel Carlson would add another field goal for the Raiders. A 50-yarder after a nine-play, 43-yard drive, taking 423 off the clock, making the score 20-7. Then the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, there were 17 seconds left in the first half. This ends up being a huge field goal because it became a record at Arrowhead Stadium. Again, this is three yards beyond the career high of Matthew Wright. Did a good job last week against Tampa Bay. But a monster try here down 20-7 to on a 59-yard attempt. Tommy Townsend waits for the go sign. Matthew Wright pounds it. End over end kick. The kick is up, and he got it! 59 yard field goal for Matthew Wright. The longest of his career. This time in Kansas City, not in London. And the Chiefs are within 10 and will get the ball to start the third quarter. 20 to 10, Raiders at the end of the first half. 
so big. And you know what the odds are when you score a field goal, get an interception, touchdown, score right at the end of the first half, parlaying itself into the second half. That made the score 20 to 10. That was four plays, 34 yards, taking 17 seconds from the Chiefs. But how big was that field goal? Yeah, he missed one as well tonight, but getting that 59 yarder. Harrison Butker's never kicked a 59 yarder. As good as he's been, 58 yards is Harrison Butker's career long. It was the longest in Arrowhead Stadium history. The longest in Kansas City Chiefs history belongs to a man named Matthew Wright. It's a good uh, trivia question at, uh, at uh, cocktail parties, maybe around uh, the holidays. Anyway, the score was 20 to 10 uh, going into halftime. Then the third quarter, it was guess what? Once again, it was Patrick Mahomes to this guy. Mahomes with McKinnon stationed to his left. Kelsey, the walking boss, goes in motion left. They flood the left side. Caught by Kelsey and into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Shielding the defender like he does so well and then spinning that shoulder into the end zone. And the Chiefs start the third quarter with a touchdown drive. And that was a huge drive. 12 plays, 75 yards, taking 535 off the clock. That a four-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes to the uh, greatest of all time, Travis Kelsey. Halfway through his uh, most touchdowns ever on Monday Night Football history. That made the score 20 to 17. And then at that point, you know you were believing in the Chiefs. 2017, come on. <laughs> you know what the Chiefs, the odds were the Raiders were the favorite team. How many people went and bet the Chiefs once the Raiders became the favorite team? I don't know. So anyway, that was 9:25 left in the third quarter. The third quarter would belong to the Kansas City Chiefs because guess who once again? The Chiefs have three eligible to the right, far side of the field. Mahomes takes the snap at the one and the five. In trouble, moves out past Crosby. Fires it late. Kelsey at the catch inside the ten. Stiff arms one. Now two. Now three. Stumbles into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. A hat trick for Travis Kelsey. An eight-yard touchdown catch. His third TD of the night. And the Chiefs have the lead for the first time in the game. I wish we'd throw hats at the game like doing hockey. If you get a hat trick, you got to throw hats down on the field. I know they're expensive, but, you know, it's kind of a hockey thing. So, you hat trick, you do up a Travis Kelsey right there, a four-yard pass from Patrick, or excuse me, an eight-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes, eight plays, 57 yards. Uh, that made the score 24-20. to 20. Kansas City Chiefs Daniel Carlson added a 47-yarder for the Raiders, kicking off the fourth quarter, making the score one point, 24-23. Right before, and we call it the Tully touchdown of the game, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Raise a glass to this week's Tully touchdown with Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. When it's game time, it's Tully time. And this gentleman, very deserving of the Tully touchdown of the game. Burton, the fullback, offset eye. Edwards Hilaire, the tailback. 24 23 Chiefs. First down and goal to go at the one. They're going to throw it. Near side it is. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City, Travis Kelsey, one, two, three, four touchdown receptions. This time on a play-action fake. So you go the Tully touchdown of the game right there. Four for Travis Kelsey, most ever on Monday Night Football, tying a franchise record with Jamal Charles um, that once caught four touchdown passes for the Kansas City Chiefs back in 2013 against the Raiders. So it's happened twice against the Raiders. That made the score 30-23. Failed two-point conversion for the Kansas City Chiefs. Devontae Adams would close out the scoring for the Raiders on another big-time pass. Catch 48 yards from Derek Carr. Seven plays, 
75 yards, 258 off the clock. They made the final score 30 to 29 Kansas City Chiefs in that one. That was the voice you heard of Mitch Holtus, Mr. Touchdown, Kansas City. Good stuff by Mitch. Good stuff by the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. Great stuff by uh, Travis Kelsey. And as I mentioned earlier, what this guy is doing, is he not the most underrated player in the NFL? I mean, let's be honest. Quarterbacks get all the run. You know, guys like Christian McCaffrey getting talked a lot about now at this point because can he get traded to Buffalo? That was the hot rumor. But supposedly there's no talks with the Panthers at this point, although it's basically his salary this year has been paid through bonus with the Panthers. We probably will see Christian McCaffrey traded. Could he end up in Buffalo? I don't know. But Travis Kelsey, get this. Though over the last five seasons, his 2,639 receiving yards after the catch are over 400 more yards than any other tight end or wide receiver in the NFL. Only Golden Tate and Jarvis Landry have uh, more missed tackles over that time than Travis Kelsey. He's even got more yards than the Andre Hopkins since 2016. Six straight over a thousand over a thousand yards. Greg Olson had the previous record, three straight with a thousand yards. Travis Kelsey has doubled that. You think about what he's doing. He's not only beating NFL records, he's shattering NFL records at his position. And he gets talked about. I mean, people talk about Travis Kelsey. But I don't think you get you get the uh, greatest of all time conversation with him. People are still infatuated with Gronk. They're, they're more and more infatuated with Mark Mark Andrews. That's who they're talking about. They're fascinated by George Kittle for some reason, who just can't stay on the football field. And you think about Kelsey and his durability, and really it's second to none what, what he's doing. But even even though Tony Gonzalez had four times where he caught over a thousand yards, four Gronk. Four times in his career, and they weren't consecutive. They weren't consecutive at all. And again, Travis Kelsey's done this six straight times. Six. Jason Witten did it four times in his career. Shannon Sharp, three times. Keep in mind, he's done it six straight years. When you double up what an NFL record was for consecutive times with Olsen, <laughs> you're not the greatest. You're by far and away the greatest of all time. But he's not getting talked about that. Is he the most underrated player in the NFL? I, th- I think it can honestly be said. Because, you know, you make quarterback comparisons with Mahomes and Josh Allen, and you talk about that. And then you got Travis Kelsey just doing crazy things. As I mentioned, in 2020, he was second in the NFL to Stephon Diggs in receiving. Think about that. Second in the NFL from the tight end position. 2019, he was first in the AFC in all of receiving yards. A tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Fourth in the NFL, first in the AFC in 2019. He's just doing insane things when it comes to what he's doing on the football field. I I know we appreciate him here in Kansas City. He will be a surefire lock Hall of Famer. I think the Chiefs really have three of them playing for him. Well, Andy Reid, the coach, of course, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. And then the two players in Mahomes in Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey, go ahead and make the bust for him in Canton, Ohio. What he's doing is absolutely incredible. Andy Reid, after the game, obviously he was talking about that Chris Jones play. And he thought, like the rest of us, Chris Jones had the ball. What's the penalty from? I thought he had the ball. So, I mean, that's what I thought. But I, they get that's their job. So, they, they do that. Now, he did have the ball. When you watch the game film, you go back and look at it and say, wait a minute. Chris Jones had the football. That was our ball. That was our ball going in. Of course, the Raiders ended up getting a field goal. And then the Chiefs, 17 seconds, go down there and get a field goal on Matthew Wright, which 
really an insane play when you think about the things that happened. 17 seconds. And, of course, it was 13 seconds against the Bills, the Grim Reaper doing it. And Mahomes, obviously, more stakes on the line in that game. But still, in the Chiefs record field goal, unbelievable. But the guys felt the same way Reed did, and it actually gave them momentum like we've been talking about. The guys felt the same way I did. So, yeah, I, I think it gave us a little juice probably. So it did give him some juice. I agree with him. I've never seen Andy Reid that man. You know, he kind of waited there by the tunnel instead of going. He waited for Carl Cheffers. One talk. Why? why he, I guess he was talking about why didn't you come over and talk to me and explain this to me? Why do I have to you know meet you here now? Why didn't you come over there? Because he should have. Should have gone over there, the coach, and explained to him exactly what happened. Because all of us were left wondering, like, what just happened there? Chris Jones came away with the football and he gets a penalty on him. Why did that happen? And of course. Andy Reid also joked about the fact that uh, he wasn't about to. He, well, he's like Chris Jones. He was walking that fine line. He's not going to be fine like Devontae Adams with a nice little shove on a reporter after the game. Coach, as long as you've been here, I don't believe I've seen you as, as maybe annoyed on the sideline following the Chris Jones sack. You guys are trying to get me fined. I'm not going to bite. I'm just I'm not going there. I mean, I can't. I can't. Uh, I got it off my chest. And he, he got it off his chest. So he. He made the call he made, and I got what I needed set. <laughs> he did get what he needed set. But we were all Andy Reid in that moment. And, of course, right now I've got it on SportsCenter up here in the studio. And, of course, they're showing Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Mahomes' wife actually joked about it, too, about this relationship uh, with Mahomes and Kelsey. It was on full display on the nation uh, tonight with him getting in the end zone four different times. Andy Reid even spoke about that relationship between uh, Mahomes and Kelsey. Yeah, they work so well together and um, how they play off of each other, I think, is big. They, they, that doesn't always happen in this league where you find a guy that you can that you have that mojo with there or whatever you want to term it. So. No, it is mojo. And I'll go back to something that I think is so important with the Chiefs, and that's chemistry. It's like the hardest thing to do in sports is build chemistry. Remember the Royals when they won in 15 and what they started building in really 13 when they were eliminated the final weekend against the White Sox that parlayed itself into the 2014 team where they had fun. There was chemistry. Everybody knew where everybody was on the field. They didn't really have to tell them, talk to them because they knew where they'd be. They knew what they could do. Ned Yost knew every player's limitations. He knew what sparked them, what didn't. It was team chemistry all the way from the manager on down. And that's what the Chiefs have built. So much so that I think really kind of the most important thing that happened to the Chiefs was something that happened in the offseason. It was it was Camp Pat down in Texas. Remember the OTAs? They let them stay down there. Like instead of making like MVS and Juju and all these guys that are getting used to Mahomes come up to Kansas City, they were able to stay in Texas and they did Zoom calls with the coaching staff, even Andy Reid, they did Zoom calls because Andy Reid, you know, is as disciplined as he is in the NFL, and you think unrelenting. Well, he was in that case. It's like, sure, go down because he understood the importance of it. You know, he understood the importance of team building and what that did. These guys hanging out together, playing video games, eating dinner together. That stuff matters, man. That stuff matters with 13 seconds left in the game. That stuff matters with 17 seconds left in the game where you know some where somebody's going to be. And Travis Kelsey is always doing that. He's breaking. He understands that Mahomes is in trouble, and he breaks. He understands there's a play you call and a play you run. That's Mahomes. 
And MVS a little bit used to that with Aaron Rodgers where he had to move around. He could see when he's in trouble. Juju, no. He played with a stone, a statue of quarterback in Big Ben where Big Ben would just go down. He wouldn't be scrambling around. And so they all got used to that. You know, Sky Moore ended up there. Camp Pat went out twice. You know, I, I kind of remember the, uh, the the new Top Gun movie, Maverick, uh, with Tom Cruise there. One day, instead of flying with the with the guys because he's trying to get them, you know, set for this training mission that happened in like three weeks, you know, the admiral comes to him and says, what are you doing? Tom Cruise is on the beach and they're playing football. And he goes, I'm creating a team. And he points and all the guys like carrying each other playing football on the beach. That That's what kind of reminds me of the Chiefs. You know, they created a team is what Camp Pat did. And I, it, it pays dividends when guys are breaking, coming back to the football and helping Patrick Mahomes out. And then you see this just this chemistry you've never seen before in the NFL between a, a quarterback and his tight end like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And you know what? He goes back to Alex Smith. He goes back to Alex Smith with Travis Kelsey. You know, just, just he's that quarterback's best friend. That's the way he's always been. He knows when they're in trouble. He knows when they make the breaks. He knows exactly what his quarterback's going to be doing. And it's just six cents that he has. And four touchdowns between Mahomes and Kelsey today was absolutely unbelievable. But you just go back to team chemistry. And it's going to get better. I felt like last year, Mahomes didn't have trust in the offensive line yet. They had to gel. And then they did. And that's when the Chiefs, you know, kind of, remember how rough it was early in the season last year? They couldn't just you know, get back to 500 and they'd get over it. They'd come back because they weren't gelling on the offensive line. Mahomes couldn't really trust what he was doing because he had to worry about the offensive line. I remember Pete Carroll once said this in a book. He says, once you have trust in what your teammates are doing, then you concentrate on what you're doing, and that's when you become a better football player. And that's Mahomes. Like, once you trust the offensive line, you can go out and do what he wants to do. That's why the Chiefs ended up leading the NFL in points per drive last year. As much as everybody thought they figured out the offense, they still led the NFL in points per drive. And they played the Buffalo Bills that were number one in points against them per drive. They're number one defense in the NFL, but yet – there they go. The Grim Reaper goes down against the number one defense in the NFL. Why they do it? Chemistry. Everybody knew where everybody was going to be on the field. Tyreek was that way with, with Patrick. He knew when he was in trouble. And he, he was kind of like Travis Kelsey in a way. He knew what, what to do and come back. And these guys, like Sky Moore and these guys, will learn that. And they'll learn their quarterback's limitations. But it was on full display tonight. And this is what makes them tough to beat because of that team chemistry that they have, and they're starting to build it on defense to some extent. You're already starting to see some of it, you know, with the Bolton and, and Willie Gay when he comes back and with Legeria Sneed. You're starting to see some of that, the young secondary with the rookies. You know, they're learning, they're molding into what they do and what they can become. And you're seeing it on full display, and it works in games like this. When you're down 17 points, a lot of teams throw in the towel. A lot of teams lose when they're down 17. The NFL, this is what happens. You're down 17, you're on national TV, oh my God, we're getting embarrassed, we got the Buffalo Bills next week, what's going to happen if we lose this divisional team? Chiefs didn't sweat it, they didn't blink. What did Marty Schottenheimer used to say? Don't flinch, gentlemen, don't flinch. Chiefs didn't flinch. And deep down, when you watch this game, you think, all right, they're going to win this game. I did. Like I, I have not panicked since that Texans playoff game. When they were down 24, I was like, yeah, man, it's been a great year. But once they came back, because remember, they had a, they at least had a double-digit deficit the entire postseason. All the way through, even in the Super Bowl against the Niners. They were down by at least 10 points. But yet, they came back in that Texans game. I was like, 
not going to doubt him anymore. Look at what they can do. Patrick Mahomes, the magic man, he's got that touch. But tonight, they're down 17. They still find a way to keep chipping away and getting back into this game and winning. Then the defense able to hold the Raiders, you know, start to force some punts, start to get after the quarterback a little bit. We saw Karloftis get a half sack tonight, his first in the National Football League. Heck, I thought Frank Clark looked good in the first half before the illness got to him. But they found a way to keep chipping at the Raiders' lead and come back in this game. Sometimes you get to win games like this, and I don't care what team's records are or who they are. When you're in the NFL, any game can be close. What, 10 games were decided by seven points or less in the NFL? The week before, what, only two games? Now, actually, every single game but the Chiefs was within seven points at some point in the fourth quarter. Except for the chiefs Bucks, That was the one game that wasn't. But tonight they're down 17 and they don't panic. Like, there's no panic. Now, they used to be, I think. And then Mahomes rallied them back in the playoffs. Like, hey, we can do this. And then they start to believe in it. Because once you do it once, you start to believe in it. You keep doing it. And I, you look at the coaching staff, like, no one sweats. They're down. They know they can come back. Yes, they took a hit with Chris Jones not getting that football and then getting screwed on the play. That can screw up a team. That can, and I know it had the opposite effect with the Chiefs where they took the momentum and they used it for the second half. But that can honestly derail a team because then you're like yeah man look at us we're down in this game we're not getting the calls we could have won with that game and then that play stays on your mind you're not like a closer in major league baseball where you can forget what happened the night before that's what that's what the good ones do they forget what happened the night before and they go out and do their job well the Chiefs are doing that they're forgetting what happened on the play before Mahomes does he'll make a bad pass or throw a pick or something he didn't it's different the next time out he's a different guy he doesn't care they make mistakes but they don't flinch and that's something good with the Kansas City Chiefs. Our phone number, 913-586-7610. Be happy to take your phone calls. Plus, hear from quarterback Patrick Mahomes and what he thought maybe of the way quarterbacks are treated next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show, presented by Andy's Frozen Custard. Tune in Mondays at 2.15 for our weekly conversation with Patrick Mahomes on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show. I'm Jay Binkley. I can't believe we're five weeks into the season. Can you? <laughs> it seemed like yesterday they were in St. Joe. And now we're five weeks into the season. Heck, we're almost to mid-October. Unbelievable. But you know what? The same results. The same results for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we're getting used to them winning. And I've likened it to Kansas Jayhawk fans. No, not these football fans this year. But I'm talking the basketball team. Where conference championships don't matter anymore. They want national titles. I feel that way with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. That you get that point where you're just used to winning. And you don't panic. I mean, I get texts from people that are, that are panicking and everything else. What are they going to do? And you've seen this before. Were you panicking tonight? I know it was a one-point win. But honestly, I did not. I did not panic during this game. And it just didn't happen. I, I'm used to seeing this. It's what you do. It's trust in your team. And the fans were nuts. And I got a text here on the text line, the J Southland Toast Service text line, 913-586-7610. Bink talked about the delay of game and crowd noise. Was that the game? We were shaking the stands. 100% you were. And remember when the Chiefs got the noise record and then when the Guinness came here? He was, take that with a grain of salt. You had to pay Guinness to show up. They show up and give you the record. Then Seattle got it. 
Then the Chiefs got it back against the Patriots the night before that Oakland wildcard game in baseball. Remember that? I remember saying to myself, and, and Henry at the time, we were doing the day shift, and I remember talking to him the next day and said, can you imagine Royals fans bringing that same energy you saw at Arrowhead Stadium the night before? Same same fans. They just turn the red shirt in and have a blue one on. Same group, same, same people, same hardworking Kansas Cityans that you see at these games. And they did. They became loud at Kauffman Stadium. Became raucous. But yes, I heard Arrowhead tonight. Tonight was one of the nights, if you're listening to the game, you could really hear it. You know, when Mitch and Dana and Kling were talking, you could hear the, kind of the fans behind him. I had Kling on earlier, and he was talking about, you know, just the rabid fan base, one of the best crowds he's ever seen. Pete was talking about maybe being the loudest regular season game he's seen in his nine years with the Chiefs. He used to work for the Chiefs. Now he's Arrowhead Pride Editor-in-Chief and our Chiefs Insider. I think so, too. I mean, just the way that you guys were kind of inspiring the team tonight. It was a big part of what the Chiefs were doing. You don't hear that a lot in the NFL, but the crowd had their back. You know, Andy Reid talked about the momentum, the way you guys were chanting, the way you didn't forget about it, the way oftentimes things are forgotten about and you move on. You didn't forget about it. And honestly, I think the referee, the officiating crew was scared of you. Honestly. It looked like Carl Sheffers wanted to cry. Honestly. He was like, oh, crap. He was probably thinking, like, how the hell is he going to get out of the stadium? Which, you know, if, you, if you're doing something to the ref after the game, that's dumb. Just, they're, they're human beings. Let them be. But you can boo them. Anybody can be booed on that football field, including officials. Hell, I was booing Carl Sheffers just sitting here. I was mad. It, but that's football. That's emotion. But you guys were insane tonight. And props to you fans. I mean, you... you Arrowhead, you get your name out there. They even talked about it. There's Joe Buck, and and I know that uh, Mitch is talking about too, and people on Twitter were talking about the Chiefs fan base. They were linking it to, like, baseball. Because, you know, Boston Red Sox, the Cardinals always, you know, consider the best fans in baseball, and they talk about they know when to be quiet, when not to. They were, they were giving the Chiefs fans that same respect. Like, they knew when to, when to be loud. They knew when to intimidate. And tonight's crowd was intimidating. Like, it was actually intimidating. Arrowhead Stadium is an intimidating place for other teams uh, to go play. You hear former players talking about going to Arrowhead Stadium, the experience, and how loud it gets. Well, that's the way it was tonight. It became intimidating. Not that it always is. Tonight it did, man. There's not a single place the NFL is loud as it was in Kansas City tonight. There's none like it. It's a college football atmosphere every time. But it actually became an intimidating place. And I've seen the transition. Again, I had season tickets in the 80s when nobody went. Honestly, remember the turf field? I have them as coasters now. The actual turf field, I got them as beer coasters now. But then when Marty got here and Carl, things changed, and Arrowhead became a different place. Arrowhead always existed, but it was different. And then that Bills Monday night game, it became alive. Remember Jim Kelly and the Bills and how good they were and the Chiefs beat them on Monday night? That was getting known as a loud crowd. I don't think the word intimidation for me has, I mean, I know the Chiefs fans are loud and they get in your face and you and you and you and you and that kind of stuff, but it was actually an intimidating place tonight. That, that was fun, fun, fun to see. Let's go back to the uh, phone lines now. We'll always hear from you. We're sitting here at night just for you so you can talk about this great uh, football game tonight. Let's go out to Lone Jack, talk to the mayor of Lone Jack, Neil. What's up, Neil? Morning, Jay. There's a reason you don't hear a crowd like that too often, Jay. And the reason is 
most of the time, crowds are not nearly as pissed off as we were tonight. It was intimidating tonight, I think. Jay, did you? It was. And, you know, Carl Sheffer should feel intimidated. And, and I, the band should never do another Chiefs game the rest of his career. He should be, he should be out of the NFL tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm so sick and tired of seeing him officiate our games and, and, I'm trying to be calm, Jay. But I mean, uh, the, the the sad part, Jay, is I can't even enjoy the win. I can't because after Sunday with the travesty of Tom Brady, and after tonight with the travesty that this game was, and countless other examples, it's been growing and growing and growing over the last several years, probably four, five, six years, about how people feel like the NFL is the WWE, and I still, it's. I'm on the brink, man. I can't even enjoy the game. I can't. I, like, I can't even enjoy the fact that we won this game. You talk about the Grady Jarrett play on, on Brady where that did make a difference in the game. You still enjoyed it, Neil. I know you still enjoyed the win. A win's a win. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. They're taking football, they're taking football away from us. It gets harder and harder every day, man. I've loved this game since I was a little kid. I loved the Chiefs for 40 years. It gets harder and harder every passing day to still accept this league and, and the embarrassment to this league is. I'm going to talk to Cody and Gold tomorrow. I feel like we need to go back to 2012 or whatever what year it was. We need to fly banners over the stadium Sunday and tell the NFL that the Chiefs fan base, in the very least, thinks that they're a complete joke and embarrassment. You, you know what, Neil, and here's the funny thing about it, and thanks for the call. Thanks for staying up with us uh, tonight. But this will be talked about. Like this whole thing with Chris Jones, I mean the Grady Jarrett thing on Brady, but I mean you're used to seeing Brady get calls. That's just what he does. Like if you just put a fingernail on him, you're gonna get a call. Like we're used to seeing that with Tom Brady. And it was a terrible call with Grady Jarrett. Like, what are you supposed to do? I but deep down I think a lot of people are like me going, Yeah, we've seen Tom Brady do this his whole career. He 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 gets calls. You guys know it. You know, we talk about Tom Brady getting calls. He's Tom Brady, it's what happens with him. And he's 45 years old, and they protect him at all costs because he's the face of the league. But we're used to that. But tonight was different, man. Tonight was different because Chris Jones right there on national TV, and this could be the impetus for change. And I think it could be because, yeah, not only is Grady Jarrett's play, you know, a big play, but it happened in tonight because that, 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 that play happened. It wasn't on national TV. It was regional. Tonight was national TV. This was Monday Night Football, and this was a great game. Where people that maybe not were watching are tuning in now going, I got to watch this game. That's what happens in close football games. People tune in. And with the crowd as mad as they were, it not only makes Arrowhead crowd look great because it looked like great fans, you get to showcase even more of what you are. Again, I I think you're intimidating tonight, and I think that's a good thing. Because Arrowhead's always been loud, but it hasn't always been intimidating. Tonight it became intimidating. But people were pissed. And they were tired of the. They were tired of it. You know what? People pay good money to go to NFL games. You pay good money to buy season tickets, support the league, buy your apparel, buy your hats, buy your T-shirts. They're doing the crucial catch now. You buy those. Uh, you buy the different uh, series. They always have a different hat, different times of the year, and you, you buy that like me. You, you buy that stuff, and then you felt ripped off by the league because of that play. Because you're, you're sitting there thinking what you know about football. And you don't know it anymore. Like, I, 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 I love football. I live and sleep football. I've always liked the sport. It's always been my favorite. There's not even a question. But when I see something that happened tonight like that, I get disappointed a little bit because I'm like, 
what I know, you throw it out the window because you get to the quarterback and you make a play. And Chris Jones took the football away. It was a wonderful football play. That's the problem. And then when you get guys around the league mad about it, when you got Mike Pereira out at the bar trying to have a little drink and he finds himself back on Fox Sports Radio, and you heard it right here, and, he, and he, he's doing an interview because they want to go to the source of officiating as Mike Pereira, and even he can't believe the call. NFL players can't believe the call. No one can because, like, what's going wrong with the game? What's happened to the game? They've already made it more pleasant for wide receivers. That's why you're seeing these big numbers from quarterbacks and wide receivers in this league. It, it, it's the uh, penalties on the defense, what they've done to defensive backs and limited in their job. It's why they get paid the big bucks because they kind of took away who and what they are. I don't want to see them take away the pass rush. The getting the sack, that's one of the best things in football. When a guy gets to the quarterback, sacks him, game-changing play, he's doing the sack dance. But nowadays, if you get to the quarterback and you get the ball and you're wanting to celebrate it, aren't you kind of looking back and seeing if there's a flag on the field? This could have changed the game for the Chiefs. It's kind of weird because it kind of helped them in a way if you can be helped by having a strip sack fumble called you know, back and 15 yards given to the other team. If something could be helped, it did happen tonight with the Chiefs and the crowd. And I think it makes a good storyline because it, you guys came alive. But it was still crap, and yes, games at the end of the year with the one team getting the buys, it could have mattered in the playoffs. It could have very well mattered in the playoffs. Wait till something like this happens in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Then what are you going to do? Then what are you going to do? Because they're going to be star quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. It's just what's going to happen. But what's going to happen when this play, it started? It did make a difference in that uh, Falcons game, in that Bucks game. It made a difference, and it could have made a difference tonight. And I get it. You're upset about it. You're like Neil. And I get it. You spend big money. Or you maybe you gambled on the game. And then you got it just kind of taken away from you. And you start going, eh, what, what am I really betting on here? Because the NFL, you know, they, 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 they understand the power of gambling with the league. There's more and more states um, allow it. Just like the state of Kansas here. They allow sports wagering. You know, people want trust. They want honesty. They want, they want to feel like with their hard-earned money, there's integrity involved in it, and that's a big part of the league. So it can have its effects um, that go uh, the, the, go off the football field. Let me put it that way. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback that you can hear tomorrow at two fifteen with Carrington, um, the one and only uh, Mahomes uh, interview with uh, somebody every week right here on six ten Sports Radio uh, two fifteen, and he replays it in the five o'clock hour. Uh, was talking about just that, the emotion they all felt following the penalty on Chris Jones. Here's Mahomes. Yeah, I think uh, there was anger of just kind of how we had played up until that point. I mean, I feel like they were the physical team. They brought the, the fight to us. Um, but I, I thought uh, our guys responded. And I was just talking with guys in the locker room. It was like sometimes these games are the ones that build the true character of the team. I mean, whenever you don't have – you to come out and they're kind of like throw that first punch and hit you and how you, how you respond and, and go back and fight. Um, that, that was good to see from this team. See, Mahomes is 100% correct. He's talking about them throwing the first punch. How are you going to respond? They take note of that stuff. Team leaders take note of that stuff. And he's happy the way they did it. The Raiders, and I've quoted it before, Omar from the wire, right? Paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was, you swing at the king, you best not miss. The Raiders missed. They had a 17-point lead against the Kansas City Chiefs Six-time straight champions of the division, a team that's absolutely owned them. 
It's won nine in the last 10 against them, 14 in the last 16. It's ridiculous. They had them down 17 to nothing. They could possibly turn their season around with what happened tonight. You know, they get a new coach, new attitude. Josh McDaniels are trying to sell tickets out there to Raiders. Some more Raiders fans show up than other fan bases in Vegas trying to build something. Beating the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium is a big deal. That's why they took a tour around the stadium a couple years ago. They felt that made their whole season. That made their whole entire season beating the Chiefs. It means something to beat the Chiefs. It really does. Look last year when the Ravens beat the Chiefs. They wouldn't have thrown a parade, it felt like, or make T-shirts. Like, beating the Chiefs means something. The Bills, they get this false sense of security by winning at Arrowhead Stadium. They go and lay an egg the following week on uh, primetime football with the, the Tennessee Titans. They go and drop that game after beating the Chiefs and being proclaimed the number one team in the NFL. That's what happens when we beat the Chiefs. It wouldn't happen to the Raiders. They wouldn't have been considered the best team in the NFL. But they had their chance, and they can't put them away. Josh McDaniels, you saw his face. You, he never had that confidence. You heard him talking about, you don't want the Chiefs to have the lead because that's when they're, they're a good football team. You don't want to have a lead because look what happens. Like, you don't allow the Chiefs to do what they did. And you could tell he won, He knew what to do. And I'll give him credit because fourth and one in his own 42, he not only went forward on fourth down, he went for the jugular. He went to Vontae Adams, all right, you got the best wide receiver in the NFL. You got a quarterback that connected with him for 24 touchdowns his last year at Fresno State. Air it out, man. Air it out. And that's exactly what they did. That was a ballsy call. Like instead of just running consistently with Josh Jacobs because he was getting his yardage against the Chiefs, they decided to go for the juggler. That's the stuff you have to do to beat this team at Arrowhead Stadium. They quieted the crowd down. And that play let him right back in it, man. That play that the play with Chris Jones let him right back in it. But it was loud, and it was like that. But you took a, they took a swing at the king, and they missed. They had him right there, right where they wanted him, 17-point lead. And they let him off the hook. <laughs> and then you start wondering, and this self-doubt creeps in with teams, like, how do we beat the Chiefs? Like, we can build a two-touchdown and get a field goal lead, get a 17-point lead on them at home. We'll quiet the crowd base. Chiefs aren't playing anywhere near their A or B game. They're probably playing a C game or C- minus. Maybe even a D that first quarter, and you didn't take advantage of him beat him, and you let him come back in the game. That's humiliating. That stuff sticks in your mind. Like, how are we going to beat this team? If we have a 17 point lead against the Chiefs and they still come back and beat us, how are we going to do it? Mahomes is right. Mahomes is right. They did feed off that energy. Now, Mahomes also addressed the uh, kind of the slow start that they had tonight, talking about the offensive line, the gelling. Keep in mind, Trey Smith, the road grader, didn't play tonight. Nick Allegretti. Really a versatile lineman Andy Reid likes. Loves those type of players that can play tackle, guard, wherever. Uh, slow start. Orlando Brown, rough game in the beginning. No question about it. Uh, was it rough? But here's Mahomes talking about the slow start. I thought they just were more physical than we were. At the end of the day, they came out and they, they rushed the passer well. Um, they ran the ball well. And that, that those two things are how physical you are. And uh, I, I kind of went up to the line. I said, hey, we're going to win or lose this game. Uh, because of y'all, and they, they responded. They went out there and blocked, blocked their tail off the entire second half um, and gave me time to make those throws down the field. They did go out there and respond. You know, Creed Humphrey's doing his job every single play. There's just guys that do. And I know the Orlando Brown criticism is going to come tomorrow. And, and there were some times, there were some times that he made some great plays when he got downfield on some screens. He would get downfield and help his teammates out. And there were some times he was beaten, beaten by Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. There were times they'd flip flop him and he was beaten. But I'll say this, just always remember this when it comes to Orlando Brown. Remember pick 58. 
The Ravens sent back pick 58 with that Orlando Brown deal. The Chiefs selected the guy that wears the green hot, the green dot on defense, Nick Bolton. So they did do that. Uh, Mahomes was also caught kind of yelling at the Raiders. He was really getting into the game. I mean, there was some serious smack going back and forth with Mahomes and the Raiders. His, his feelings on that. Yeah, no, I, I like to show my emotion when I play. Uh, that's kind of who I am. Um, and, I mean, I thought we needed it at that time is the, the, everybody to go out there and, and bring the fight back to them. Um, and I think you saw that guys did that, and that's how we, that's why we won the football game. He did it. He won it. But not only that, did you notice a couple times tonight he didn't slide feet first? He put himself more susceptible to being hit by sliding head first. It's, I wouldn't recommend that whatsoever with a guy like Mahomes, but he was doing it smart. He knew he wasn't going to get hit. It was kind of in some wide open space. That stuff goes a long way, man. When your quarterback's one that's willing to go do something like that, and that's what he was willing to do. But he was talking some junk. There, but that's that's what happens with the great ones. They, they talk back. Manning used to do it all the time. Brady talks junk with players all the time. Philip Rivers used to do it, although he do it clean. Philip Rivers never cussed, but he got on you probably more than anybody else did in the NFL, but he did it clean. But that you're used to seeing it. They're emotional. You're going to get smack talk from the quarterback, and you should because these guys all want to beat Mahomes, and Mahomes wants to beat them. It's uh, it's great. Here's Mahomes' thoughts on the Chris Jones play. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest call in the world, but, I, I mean, at the same time, I mean, it's a hard, hard job they have as refereeing. Um, but... Obviously, I, I mean, whenever the ball comes out and, and that guy, I mean, he's going to try to get off of him, but it kind of, they're both fighting for the ball at the same time. Um, it's tough, but uh, you have to find a way to bounce back, and we did. He's got to be careful with, with his answers here because he could be the beneficiary of something like this happening in the future. But here's just his overall thoughts, Pedro Mahomes, on the roughing the passer rule. It's something where, I mean, obviously you want to protect the players and everything like that in all aspects of the game. But at the same time, there, there comes like a common sense uh, factor where guys are trying to play football uh, and try to win football games. Um, and so whenever it's blatant and they hit, do something dirty to try to hurt someone, you want to make sure that's called. Um, but at the same time, you don't want it to affect the football game and change the outcome. And uh, I'm sure the, the rest of they watch tape and they do this, they work in practice just like we do. So they'll go back and work on it and, and make the right correction. So, the, yeah, the refs, you hope they do, but they're going to have to sit down as a league and figure this out. It's just sitting about this officiating crew. It's about it, – I think they're confused. I really do. I think the whole Tua thing and him – I think the Tua, you know, getting hit and playing the next week, I think that really sent shockwaves around the NFL in the officiating crew, and I think it, I, I, I think it freaked them out. I do. I think that, that play by Tua and everybody seeing, like, his hands all crooked, that changed things. And I think the uh, officials are intimidated to see that happen again. And I do think the everlasting effects that Tua play are, are played in this weekend. Not only the Buccaneers game, but the game that we saw tonight. Here's Mahomes about the, uh, his offensive line we talked about a minute ago. He told them they'll win if they go out and block. That was like in the first, right of the second quarter. I mean, I think I was after the Chandler Jones kind of got around me. And I just challenged him. I was like, hey, we're going to win or lose this because of y'all. I mean, they're playing man coverage. We have to you know, attack downfield, but you're going to have to protect. Um, and they responded. You, you saw from like the end of the second quarter on, I mean, those guys kind of held those guys at bay, and those are some great pass rushers. So you like to see that out of a, a veteran offensive line. And they can. They can get to the quarterback. I mean, Max Crosby's motor is ridiculous. I asked uh, Jeff Brom, the head coach of, uh, of George Karloftis, that's who I want George Karloftis to be is Max Crosby. One of two guys to have rookies to have 10 sacks 
in the last five years. They just don't do it. Rookies just don't get 10 sacks. But he's got that relentless motor, and I liken that to him. Can Karloftis be that guy? And if he can be Max Crosby, because he reminds me of him a lot when they came out. Obviously, different story. Uh, Crosby came out of Eastern um, Michigan. Matter of fact, he was teammates with Andrew Wiley. They played on the same team in college, and they faced each other a bit tonight, and uh, Crosby got the better end of Wiley a few times there, but they were teammates. But if Karloftis can come with that energy, he got his first uh, half sack in the NFL, that's the guy I want to see him be because that guy plays with the motor that I see out of Karloftis at times. Just that unrelenting, knock him to the ground, he's still going to come at you each and every time. But Sheridan Mahomes there told the offensive line the block, held him accountable. You guys aren't giving me any time to throw the football. You know, give your guy that's worth half a billion dollars a chance to throw the football because that's that's the way you're going to win. You're going to win on the arm of Patrick Mahomes. We all know that. Give him time to throw the football. Running back, step up and run the damn ball. Because, let's face it, running running behind Patrick Mahomes is one of the easiest jobs in the NFL. No questions asked, one of the easiest jobs. Why? You're never going to face an eight-man front. You got defenses on their heels because they're worried about Patrick Mahomes eating them up. If you're running back behind that with this line, that are known road graders blocking run-wise in college, and then you put a running game behind Mahomes, they should be good. Like, running behind Patrick should be, like, the best job to have in the NFL. Like, not having to worry about eight-man fronts? You kidding me? It's not like Derrick Henry out there where everybody's worried about him getting the ball. No, they're worried about Patrick. So, they, yes, show up, hold him accountable, which he did, and they went out there and got the job done. We'll take a timeout. You want to call in, you can, 913-586-7610. We come back, though. There was a little incident that got a little buzz after the game. Devontae Adams very upset shoving somebody, a, a cameraman, to the ground. I'll tell you what happened next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Post Game Show, presented by Andy's Frozen Custard. Tune in Mondays at 7.30 for our weekly conversation with Derek Johnson on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Airhead Pride Post Game Show. I'm Jay Binkley with you at uh, 1.45 in the morning. They used to have a rule, the midnight rule, where you enjoyed it, you celebrate it till midnight, and then you start thinking about the next game. Well, you know, being a night game and a big game, we can we can talk about this a little bit longer. Then we'll shift uh, attention towards the Bills. But a little, a little more fun talking about There's some crazy things that happened in the NFL I'd like to get to. Uh, the pretenders really showed up this weekend. But as far as the Kansas City Chiefs are concerned, there's a few things that happened tonight that are interesting. Travis Kelsey, as I mentioned, the four touchdowns that he had tonight. Not only is that a Monday Night Football record, and yeah, it's, Monday Night Football has been around for a minute. Four touchdowns tonight ties Jamal Charles against the Oakland Raiders when they were in Oakland back in December 15, 2013. And Frank Jackson, remember the great Frank Jackson? No, you don't. 1964 against uh, the then San Diego Chargers got four, and it's been done 11 times where guys have had three. Most recent, Tyree Kill at Philadelphia back in 2021. NFL record book, most receiving touchdowns for a tight end in a game. Kellen Winslow, senior, uh, number one with five in a game in 1981. Travis Kelsey with four, tied with Mike Ditka and Jimmy Giles, um, having four touchdowns. 
in a game. Chiefs record book for most consecutive games, past receptions. It's Travis Kelsey, Tony Gonzalez. They both have 131 games for most consecutive games, past receptions. That means against the Bills, Travis Kelsey will pass um, Tony G in that area. NFL record for the most consecutive games, past receptions, the active streak. Not, not the full-time, the active streak. DeAndre Hopkins sitting there. He's got a catch in every game going back till 2013 with 136. Travis Kelsey, 131 straight games. He's number two, second longest active uh, streak. Not only that, he's uh, climbing up the charts with the Chiefs. Third all-time now in touchdowns. He has 67. He's tied with Tyreek Hill. Jamal Charles had 64. Kelsey and Hill both 67. Tony Gonzalez had 76. So uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, probably the next to fall to Travis Kelsey. Priest Holmes had 83 in his career. And as far as uh, the field goal for Matthew Wright tonight, the 59-yarder, if you were at the game, you saw history. It's the longest ever at Arrowhead Stadium, the longest in Chiefs franchise history. And you think about the great kickers this team has had, because like Jan Stenerud and Nick Lowry and Harrison Butker at this point. Matthew Wright. And you're going to go, Who? Just like we're looking at Fred Jackson's numbers and the four touchdowns in the game, you say, who's that? Well, Matthew Wright, 59 yards. Nick Lowry kicked a 58-yarder twice. Harrison Butker, which, by the way, one of those is against the Raiders. Harrison Butker has done it twice. Uh, both times were against the Chargers. He kicked a 58-yarder. Um, so, hey, Chiefs record book for most rushing touchdowns, quarterback in a career. Patrick Mahomes sits at number two in total rushing yards. He's at 1281 now. Alex Smith, 1672 ahead of Mahomes as far as Chiefs uh, rushing mark uh, for quarterbacks. But seeing all these records fall between Mahomes, between Kelsey, it's just what they do. Um, George Karloftis tonight, he saw his first career sack in the NFL uh, tonight. We saw the 55th career sack with Frank Clark, uh, who wears number 55. Uh, he shared that sack with George Karloftis, actually. Uh, 55th career sack in his career. Uh, he has 20 sacks now since he's been a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Darius Harris gets his uh, first sack in the NFL as well tonight. So a few things falling tonight for the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, Travis Kelsey, unbelievable stuff with the four touchdowns in a game, most ever on a Monday Night Football. So... You know, that's something tomorrow people can talk about. That's something putting their pipe in smoke because, uh, you know, when you're comparing Kelsey to other tight ends in the NFL, who's the best? Well, how about the guy tonight that ended up getting four touchdowns? The other storyline after the game is, and it's made its way to, to Sports Center, to Twitter. It's all over Twitter. And it's all over anywhere. If you don't have Twitter, you can go catch it online anywhere you want. Just take Google and look up Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was kind of upset after the game. And he's going to tunnel. There, there was a cameraman. And I'll admit, the guy got a little close to him. It was kind of a smaller camera. He kind of got right in front of him. And that's probably not something you want to do with the opponent arrival that just lost in the game. Did it. But you can't shove them either. Like You can't shove them. So this is what Devontae Adams in the locker room said about the shove heard around the world. And he will get fined for this. It'll be a hefty check he gets. Brand uh, jumped in front of me. We're coming off the field, and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him, and then he ended up on the ground. So I want to say sorry to him for that because that was just frustration mixed with him 
running and, and literally just running in front of me, and that was shouldn't shouldn't responded that way. But that's that's how I initially responded. So I'm gonna apologize to him for that. So he apologizes to him that he didn't bump into him though. He it was a little shove. No, he he jacked him. He sent the dude flying like five or six feet. I mean, he is completely jacked him in that part. Did the guy get in front of him? Yeah, he did. But you can't do that stuff. You're on your way back to tunnel. You can't do it. He does apologize there. But uh, that was one of the more comical things, seeing the Raiders melt down after that game uh, like they did. But that's that's, uh, Devontae Adams on that. The the NFL this weekend was interesting. Um, It was kind of a contenders, pretenders type thing. And I know that you guys, like me, like watching NFL Network, different NFL Live on ESPN, whatever it is, and you like to see what they're saying about the Chiefs. And it infuriates you, like it did myself, in the preseason, we heard people picking the Broncos, who really suck. Russell Wilson is horrible. And you got to revel it. Hackett is a horrible head coach. Like, that is perfect. Like, Denver can't get things right. And they keep getting people from Kansas City that don't work out there, whether it's Shane Ray on defense, Drew Locke at quarterback. Nathaniel Hackett has pictures wearing Chiefs gear because he went to high school here in Kansas City. He's Paul Hackett's kid. But anyway, this whole Kansas City connection with Denver. But that's a football town. They love the Denver Broncos. And that team is terrible. And they thought they were going to be good this year. So much so people were picking the Broncos. That's why they got back. to they're, they're, on, they're, they're on prime time again next week. They were on last week. Remember the Colts game? That was one of the worst games you've ever seen. But the Broncos, that's a complete pretender. People were picking them to win it. People were picking the Raiders to win the division. People picked the Chargers to win the division. And we've already seen the Chargers lose the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. So how about the Giants beating the Packers? Back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers. Is it going to hurt them losing Devontae Adams and MVS? I think so. They're trying to deal with the younger receivers. I don't see it. They, they had a 10-point lead on the Giants. They lose 27-22. to 22. Giants go to 4-1, and one, not the Packers. They go to 3-2. and two. Packers were exposed this weekend. The Chargers-Browns game was terrible. The Browns miss a field goal that would have beaten the Chargers at the end. The Chargers get a two-point win. That was terrible. How about Detroit Lions? Yeah, I know we're talking about the Detroit Lions here. They were the number one offense in the NFL. They really were. The number one offense got shut out by the number 19 defense, 29 to nothing. The Patriots looked viable in that game. But everybody, the hot thing smoking, and the Lions are one and four. They're still a bad football team. But I did watch Hard Knocks, I'll be honest with you, with the Lions. Um, but they lose 29 to nothing. That's contender. That's pretenderish stuff. The Dolphins, and I know they were down to Skylar Thompson, the local quarterback from Fort Osage, and went to Kansas State because Bridgewater and Tua are hurt. But you know what? Tua doesn't play defense. They gave up 40 points to the Jets. To the Jets. They got hammered by the New York Jets. And people were talking, oh, the Dolphins, maybe maybe they're that sneaky team in the AFC. No, they're not. The Titans beat the Commanders, and that was a fluke the way that, that game went. How about the Jags? People were talking about the Jags. It's a new-look Jags team with Doug Peterson, Dougie Fresh. The Texans that hadn't won a game go into Jacksonville and win a snooze fest 13-6. In Jacksonville, they beat the team that people, oh, how about the Jaguars? Lose the Texans at home. Contenders, or pretenders, excuse me. Eagles still look good, I'll give them that. The Ravens and Bengals. Ravens, they've been in every game. What they've only been down like 
four minutes all year, something like that. I mean, it's it's insane how good the Ravens have been, but they're still three and two, which leads me to the Buffalo Bills. It's once again a collision course with the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no doubt in my mind the Bills were the Super Bowl favorites going into the season. People were giving them more runs than the Chiefs, saying Josh Allen's better than Mahomes, even though in the playoffs he keeps losing to Mahomes. Yeah, he beat him the regular season here, but the year before, <clears throat> Mahomes beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. You can't start beating the Chiefs. You can't lose last year like they did to Jacksonville and lose to the Colts 41-15 last year down the stretch. They should have never played that game in Kansas City. That game should have been in Buffalo. But because they choked down the stretch with the number one defense, and again, give Mahomes the number one defense in the NFL and see what he can do. Again, you got to take all these things in perspective, and I don't think people do. Yeah, Josh Allen's an amazing talent, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. People want to make him better than Patrick Mahomes. They want to say he's better. They're waiting to crown him. They're waiting to pass that crown to him. Mahomes still wears it. But Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs, that's a a big game. That could decide home field advantage, to be quite honest with you. That's what's on the line at Arrowhead Stadium against the Bills. It is a put-up-or-shut-up game. It is a game, if you win this game, you're looked as the favorite, no doubt. I don't think the Chiefs care. Even if they lose, I don't think they care. The Bills getting all that credit because they know the Bills have a history of going out and choking it down the stretch like they did last year. Chiefs don't care about that stuff. But I think his fans will look at that game as a litmus test. Who's the best team in the AFC, the Bills or the Chiefs? And yeah, people are talking about how the Chiefs won less day of rest, but they are the home team in that situation. So they get a chance. And once again, it's another great quarterback Mahomes gets to face. Plays Herbert twice. He just beat Tom Brady. Last weekend, he played a former MVP and lost to Matt Ryan, 2016 MVP. You know, Derek Carr tonight, I'm not putting him in that category. He's one and eight at Arrowhead. He can't get in that category. But next week, it's back to Josh Allen. It's back to good quarterback, Joe Burrow. There's good quarterbacks on the horizon for the Kansas City Chiefs. The great quarterback tour continues. But it's a chance for the Chiefs to beat the Bills and shut everybody up for one last time until the playoffs against Buffalo. Let me tell you this, Chiefs lose to Buffalo, it's going to be all Bills talk everywhere. Everywhere you look, it's going to be Bills talk. And that's okay. Like Nick Saban from Alabama actually likes it. He calls it rat poison. Like Everybody always talked about how good his team was. And last year in the SEC title game, he was talking up Georgia, and he actually liked it because he's usually getting the accolades thrown his way. Some teams get fuel off of that, and I think to some extent the Chiefs do. Because there's one thing about a good team is when you criticize them, like, it is hard to have a good team. Remember the Royals back in 15? There wasn't, like, really anybody saying anything bad. I remember Christian Cologne came on. I, I think it was with uh, with Danny and CDOT. And it says he had found an article with somebody, like, ranking the Royals really low. And they, like, took that. And that was bulletin board material. Even though everybody else was saying good things, they found that one bad thing people were saying about them. I think the Chiefs do take fuel off of people doubting them. And tonight, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, I think, plays with a chip on his shoulder. Constantly trying to prove himself, even though, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But this team is always trying to prove themselves. And I saw a little bit from Andy Reid tonight. I saw from the crowd tonight. I saw the intimidation factor at Arrowhead Stadium. I thought that was great. It's always been a loud place. It's been a fun place, a great environment to go play in. Guys look forward to it. It's loud. The loudest stadium in the NFL. (laughs) Guinness said it was. They came and measured it. But tonight it became intimidating. It became intimidating for Carl Jeffers. I thought the officiating crew was going to cry tonight. I really did. But it was intimidating, man. 
So now you take the loudest stadium and you take the nice moniker off and you think it's an intimidating place coming to Arrowhead Stadium. Well, you got to be loud next week because it's Buffalo Bills. That is the time to be loud. But this is going to be a game talked about tomorrow because the whole Chris Jones deal, that's going to be kind of a needle mover in the National Football League. Again, we're used to Tom Brady like he did against Jackson this weekend. It happened. But we're not used to seeing it with other players. And tonight, Chris Jones, that'll be talked about. Matthew Wright's 59-yard field goal. There's a lot of storylines. The Chiefs coming back from 17 down. A ton to look forward to. Thanks for listening tonight. Thanks to Steven Spector um, coming in and uh, being a team. Being a team. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Good night. Bob Fesco, Josh Kleiner, 558.